Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, they're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They're altogether ooky from 1991. They're the Adams Family. Ball in the blue corner. Their house is a museum where people come to see them. They really are a scream from 1993. It's the Adams Family Values. Being in my old room sure brings back memories. Remember Camp Custer for preteen offenders. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Heart memories precious. Today I like to wander through the house, remembering. No, no, sorry, old man. No wandering today. Today we're going straight to the vault. And then mommy kissed daddy, and the angel told the stork, and the stork flew down from heaven and left a diamond under a leaf in the cabbage patch. And the diamond turned into a baby. Our parents are having a baby, too. They had sex. So it's a family feud on this week's shows, but which film is better? Which will be victorious? Let's find out. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. This is my costume. I'm a homicidal maniac. They look just like everyone else. I'm Alex Zay. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. Yay! Happy Halloween, everyone! Hooray! Hooray! Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! Yeah! yeah. I'm well, glad we all got dressed up. Yeah. You're wearing a, a kind of Halloween-y, theme T-shirt. The Guest is a scary film. I hadn't thought... I think it's set on Halloween, isn't it? There's a scene... Yeah, there's a Halloween party in it. The big walk-through thing they go through the ball was, at the uh, end, yeah. This was an accident. Well done. Good timing. Well done. And Victoria? Yep. 
Terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> just a corporate zombie is what I've come as. <laughs> mm. Well, it is Halloween, and although Clashoween itself, our last month of horror pairings, is over, today is the night itself, the greatest night of the year, All Hallows' Eve, so we're keeping the horror theme sort of going with a double bill of Adam's Family. Welcome to part one, then, of the Adam's Family versus Adam's Family Values. It's V's Choices this week. Tell us the thinking, V. Well, uh, they're a good pair, but also I... (laughs) (laughs) You you think? (laughs) Yeah. I loved the TV show. Um, and I was really excited for the film. The um, old 60s yeah, really TV loved it. show. Yeah. I, I mean, I watched a lot of TV as a kid and I don't remember it ever being on like BBC Two at six o'clock or something like it a lot of them. It was always at my grandma's house. So I can pinpoint that as a Sunday at some point. Mm. Yeah, in the 80s, 90s, mm. late 80s. Really? Yep. Last of the summer wine. That's what I oh, watched yeah, at my sure. grandma's. You ease into that one. First definitely. sitcom I ever saw. Loved it. Thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. Was it Seymour, the inventor? I think Foggy left or potentially died. I don't know which. Who knows? But Seymour came in and he was, I think he was an inventor. He was a great character for a kid. Literally no one asked. Cool, Vicky. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. Um, So anyway, I was really excited to see both of them at the cinema. I have nothing but love and good feelings towards both these films. And now maybe some structural issues. (laughs) But isn't that rewarding for me? When I saw these, when I was little, I was like, I love them. And now I'm like, I love them, but I know more. And that's a, a satisfying experience as you grow up and you learn things. Yeah. And then you can be critical about um, things that you used to love. (laughs) (laughs) What fun. Yeah. For me, that is fun. Pull apart childhood dreams. Yeah. And feel like a big old grown up. Mm. Yeah. Fine. Fine. All right. Cool. What was the clue you gave on last week's show? Uh, This week's episodes are all relative. And very good it was. Chris followed that up on Twitter with. Uh, someone clicking their fingers. Someone. Dobby the house elf confusing. Well, yeah, I was looking around. I mean, there was there was Ferris Bueller clicking, there was Dobby the house elf, right. and then people I didn't recognise, so I went, Dobby, that'll confuse people. Yeah, and, and it did. No, it did. I don't think anyone picked Harry Potter, though, so... No, but someone did literally write the phrase, Dobby has confused me. Good. <laughs> I don't think you could ask for any more of a direct confusion response. Good. Anyway, uh, your guesses were discovered festering on our Twitter, at ClashPod. We're also on Instagram and TikTok, at ClashPod, with loads of extras and videos from the show. Plus, I'm going to keep mentioning it until we hit a billion subscribers. <laughs> wow, what happens when we do that? Well, we, we won't be doing this show anymore. <laughs> we'll be retired. A billion YouTube subscribers. <laughs> Woo! Uh, we have some very funny videos edited together by our brilliant video editor, Banyabat, and they're all on our YouTube channel. That's our Clash of the titles youtube channel it's all up there aaron a long-time listener he subscribed recently for the first time took you a while aaron uh, as a fan of the show i'm surprised it took you as <laughs> long like as you did he's like our fourth host what's going on uh, yeah but he did say he subscribed and liked it great so that's Done. A, a positive review there uh, right then guesses two correct answers uh, this week so congrats to andrew logan but well done to our winner and the first correct guess it's long-time listener danny baker danny your prize is oh it's too exciting i will explain tickets to a lecture given by eminent psychologist dr pinderschloss about the familiar theory of displacement what a brilliant prize jess <laughs> today's gonna be a lot of fun <laughs> Uh, to be fair, I think he got that before the second clue. 
Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Good job. Great well, bit of good, admin there, Good Chris. job all round. <laughs> Congrats, everyone. Well done, Vicky. But mainly Danny Baker, yeah. who, who got it. Uh, Vicky knew when she gave the clue what the films were, so it sort of takes the sheen off. Right then. <sighs> Are we doing the connection section? I have not. I've uh, got one. Yeah, okay. do. Yeah. Mine is, and this is for me, not anyone else, but I never realised this until this watch because scrutiny as an adult, mm-hmm. noticing things you hadn't noticed before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mercedes McNabb. Mm, I've got it written yeah, down. That was what I was going to say. It's, you didn't notice before. Never. No. Oh, okay. Never. So the Girl Scout uh, who's going to buy lemonade but doesn't is actually, obviously, Amanda Buckman from Camp Chippewa in the second film. So are we thinking she's playing the same character? No. No, I don't. Oh, maybe I didn't feel that Girl Scout could be Amanda Buckman. Yeah, she could. Yeah, yeah, you're right. For sure. Shared universe. Um, and the only other thing I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, is, it, it is a shared literally. universe. Literally, <laughs> it's, it's a sequel, essentially. <laughs> uh, but, uh, oh, brilliant! But weird that both films decided to be about a big con, making both plots essentially yeah, the same. So you mm. said that the other week mm. in the pub, and it's I've really run with that in when I've come yeah. to thinking about this because you could go I, in I, any yeah. direction, guys. Yeah. But yeah. they must Another have been con. like, yeah, if it's not broke <laughs> yeah. though, writers, yeah. like, what worked last time? I can't yeah. believe you that you wouldn't. Would you get away with that Still, now? But uh, should we use a different character? Nope, Fester again. <laughs> Let's do Fester but again. Have had gone, the beating heart of this is the brothers. So let's just do the same again. Okay, yeah. cool. Let's go. <laughs> um, I've got another one. Actually, I just thought one. Uh, both feature um, uh, messed up stage productions. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's enough. Right then. So on Thursday, I'll be talking about the value of family and taking us to Camp Chippewa. Which means today, V is reminding us that they do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to play. It's the Adams family. Yeah, it's me. And you kind of ruined um, what was going to be my introduction, right. which was me speaking the song, uh-huh. uh, both songs. We should talk more before a show. Um, I've always said that. I'm just going to go into it. I think you should do it anyway. Uh, I won't do the original song, which I was going to do, because you've done a lot of that. <gasps> Are you going to do the Hammer song? Hi. Yay! <laughs> he just did a bit of it. That's what I was doing. No, I know, but just oh, the, the rush I got, I'd forgotten about it. But we should have rehearsed this, because I could have done the other person who speaks in the background. Yeah. A little bit of chicken. No, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's, I've had to take out some words, because it doesn't scan for me right, like okay. it does for Hammer. Um, uh, it really didn't scan for Hammer. It's possibly one of the worst movie <laughs> tie-in songs ever. Hey. It's just uh, him saying... Too many, he uses too many words at once. <laughs> it's so bad, and yet I was so excited for it. I did buy the CD single, and I still own it. So you like this because you're more into this nostalgia trip than maybe you are. Mm. But I recorded it off the radio because mm. it was always on. And you know when you used to press record and play at the same time? Yeah. And I'd forgotten all about that. And the rush when the song came on, I was screaming at Mark. It's like, what are you talking about? I was like, this is an amazing... No, actually. <laughs> were, you, were you annoyed when Bruno Brooks didn't interrupt it at the end? <laughs> the best one of those I had. A Green Day's basket case. I recorded that off the radio. It was Dr. Fox on Pe- the Pepsi chart show or something. And I, I, I kept it for years because it's so funny because he was being all cool. He's like, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's brand new. Uh, this is Green Basket. You fucking idiots. Get back to the surgery, doctor. <laughs> okay. <The> Fox surgery. <laughs> I'm going to speak it. Yay. Now, I was cold cooling, just kicking it round the house when a knock, a knock, a knock at the voice. Yo, Hammer, can you come out? <laughs> now, I don't mind being a friend and showing a little flavour, but Wednesday Pugsley Gomez Festa, man, then some strange neighbours. <laughs> I remember the day I needed a little bit of pepper. For my chicken. <laughs> the, the next thing you know, coming at me was a hand with fingers half-stepping. Now, I tried to play along. 
like I was having a ball. But what did I see? A perm with feet. Stand about three feet tall. They do what they want to do. Say what they want to say. Live how they want to live. Play how they want to play. Dance how they want to dance. Kick and they slap a friend out of his family. Amazing. Wonderful. And that is the plot <laughs> about his family values. It was going fine until kick and they slap a friend. Yeah, that's why I left that out of my read. I was like, what does that mean? I guess there is the Cossack dance in the first film. Maybe, maybe he's talking about the Cossack dance. The mamushka. The mamushka. Yeah, or maybe Thing, I guess. Thing slaps. Does Thing slap someone? Here's just a hand. It's probably mm. within his armoury. <laughs> Pun. <laughs> anyway. No? Were you not punning? Yeah, I, I, definitely. <laughs> Enough of trying to decipher MC Hammer's lyrics. Yeah. Uh, uh, Vicky, you saw this film at the cinema. I did. That's just, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I went to the cinema with my family yes. when it came out. Yes. Uh, I'm the same and had a very nice time. I loved it. I was excited. This is one of those films I cut out the pictures and put them on my folders for school. Super excited. Yeah. Mum, dad, me, my brother. Everyone enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a big deal, wasn't it? Because I didn't see it at the cinema. I saw it when it came out in video, but I do remember the hubbub yeah. around it when it was being released and that Hammer song and the video yeah. for the Hammer song. It was very, it was like a big deal, this film coming out. Yeah, because I'll get into the story now, but, you know, it, it was a troubled production and there were low expectations, but not not for me. <laughs> well, maybe we should do what we agreed to do the other week, which is shout out to marketing. Well done, marketing. Literally got it written down here. Yeah. 100%. The marketing, job, marketing on this is great. <laughs> Proper good marketing. Not in the second movie, unfortunately. No. Uh, We'll we'll get into that as well. But um, let's go back in time uh, to the original Adams Family, a fictional cartoon created by Charles Adams, uh, appeared in 150 single panel cartoons, um, about half of which were published in The New Yorker over a 50-year period um, from 1938 onwards. Wow. So uh, then it became a TV series in 1964. We've already done this. So Alex didn't watch it. You did. I watched it as well. I it all the time. I feel like the Munsters was on more than the Adams Family in yeah, the UK. And but I liked both. Yeah. I mean, they were just perfect for a kid. It was quite sophisticated humour, but it was like you were watching a cartoon come to life. Yep. Just all really lovable characters. Loved it. So, um, I found on an American Film Institute website all these different announcements of Adams Family films over the years. It was announced in 1965 that they were going to make a movie. <laughs> that didn't happen. It was announced in 1987 they were going to make a movie. That didn't happen. In 1989, they announced that Ivan Reitman was directing Cher and Kevin Klein <laughs> in a movie version. Love it. That would have been great. A year later, they announced it again. Angelica Houston and Robin Williams playing Gomez. Oh, OK. Can see all that. But now there's a long, boring story that I won't get involved into involving the comic strip rights and the TV rights um, because they were all over the place. Charles Adams' Please, widow... Please, get, in, get involved. No, it? it's dull. Is it? It's dull. I love rights conversations. But it, <laughs> but it ended up with Scott Rudin, Uber producer Scott Rudin, producing at Orion. So he wanted Tim Burton, but Tim Burton was busy with the Batmans. Terry Gilliam passed. Joe Dante, David Lynch, Rob Reiner, all in the running, all did not want to direct this movie. Barry Sonnenfeld was finishing up working on Misery as DP when he received the script, which he didn't like, and he was not trying to be a director. (laughs) So um, he loved the original drawings, however, and he met with Scott Rudin to talk about it. And Rudin told him, I want a visual stylist over a comedy director. And he also told him, all the good directors have passed. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't they do a practical joke on the set where every time journalists came to set on Barry Sonnenfeld's director's chair, they removed his name and put the name of one of the directors that had passed on it. (laughs) That would make you feel terrible. Apparently Barry Sonnenfeld said, I can take a joke. 
<laughs> and then he passed out. Um, anyway, Sonnenfeld said yes. Um, and um, he said it was tough to figure out the tone of this and keep it consistent, though. He wanted something more in line with the comics than the TV show. He thought that was too broad. He thought that the TV show forced jokes on the audience and he wanted the audiences to find the jokes. He, he talked about the fact that the, the, the panels, when you looked at them, you didn't immediately see where the funny was you had to look around to figure out where it was and he wanted his frames to be like that so um they got the writer of beetlejuice and the writer of edward scissorhands on board they really wanted burton <laughs> <laughs> really wanted burton but equally it makes sense pairing those two yeah. uh, visions um this is the script that um barry sonnefeld did not like and so he got paul rudnick on board um to rewrite it and good move add jokes good move yeah. Well, bearing in mind, Paul Rodnick wrote the sequel. Yeah. I think that was a smart thing to do. Interesting character. He wrote Sister Act, yeah. but his name is not on Sister Act. Um, he, he was somehow, he was allowed to use the pseudonym because he hated what they did <laughs> with his script for Sister Act. Such a good film. Is it? Oh my God, I love it. Not is what it? he wrote. No. I think he wrote something more, something funnier, but more cynical. Okay. And then it became a sort of schmaltzy family film. That's, and that's why I like it. Yeah. Yes. He's quite, a, he, he's, yeah. As you see, Adam, Adam's family values is, there's a lot of sort of dark humour in it that was removed from Sister Act. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll talk about it on Thursday. There are a couple of moments in Adam's family values where I think the gag outweighs, like he's gone for a gag and it kind of spoils your image of the Adams family like because a, a it's sex gag. Yeah, yeah, there's one of those, a couple of those, and a, bit, a few others. It's a bit too cynical at points. Mm. So casting, uh, I talked about who didn't play the roles. Um, Raúl Julia, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld said he was born to play Gomez. Uh, both his emotions and his joy for life, he said he basically was Gomez. Um, Angelica Houston. As I said, the studio wanted Cher, but um, Barry Sonnefeld insisted on Angelica Houston. Um, he said Christina Ricci was smarter and more articulate than him, and that's why he gave her the role <laughs> There's a really of funny Wednesday. story about... Uh, so she, apparently her mum told her just to act when she went for the audition. She, her mum was like... Just do Winona Ryder and Beetlejuice. No, and that's so, is that true? That's, well, that's true. Kristen, <laughs> Christina Ritchie says that story. She says, I walked in and I just did my impression of Winona Ryder and Beetlejuice right. and it worked. Okay. She was the next generation's Winona Ryder because they ended up playing sisters in Mermaids. Mermaids and yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, these are, this are the same person almost. Mm. Um, uh, Jimmy Workman's sister audition for Wednesday did not get the part, but told Barry Sonnenfeld, my brother looks like Pugsley. <laughs> <laughs> he got the role of Pugsley. And then uh, Christopher Lloyd... Um, Strange bit of casting that because Christopher Lloyd is a tall, thin man. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Sonnenfeld said that as soon as the camera started rolling, he didn't know how he did it. But Christopher Lloyd would become short and squat. <laughs> I swear the first time I watched this, I did not think. I that, that's uh, it's, uh, um, Doc, Doc Brown. Brown. No. Doc Brown from Back to the Future. There was no, I didn't connect the two whatsoever. It's still weirdly hard to see. Mm, it is. Wild. Yes. Um, so they went way over budget, way over schedule. Orion ran out of money. Um, so halfway through the shoot, they sold the film to Paramount as that was the only commercial property that they had on the go. Um, Frank Mancuso um, had seen the first 50 minutes. Uh, he, was the, he, he ran Paramount and he absolutely loved it. Purchased it on the spot. Then he got fired. Oh. Uh, the new Paramount chairman, Stanley Jaffe, hated what he saw, um, which caused problems. It made Barry Sonnenfeld miserable. At the time, in Empire, he did an interview and he said he lost £13 in the first 10 weeks. Tension was incredible. Three weeks in, I was standing behind a chair when I started to feel this tremendous pressure in my chest as if someone was blowing up a balloon inside me. Before I knew what was happening, I got very dizzy, tried to sit down and wham, I'd passed out. 
I remember begging Scott Rudin, please let me get up and get going again. If we have to stop every time I faint or start to cry, we'll never get this movie done. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously this is Scott Rudin, who in recent months, uh, stories have come out about him being a bully, being difficult, essentially been cancelled. And Sonnenfeld's been asked about this more recently. He said he can be a lovely, concerned, giving person. He can also be a bully and a pathological liar. So this was put, you know, putting pressure on Sonnenfeld while he was making the film. He tells a strange story about how how Rudin would come in and, and, and shout at him. And so he would take all the cushions off his couch and build a fort. I would climb into the cushions and I would say, I can't hear you, I'm in the fort. And Scott, because he's as juvenile as I am, would never ever break the sanctity of the fort. He would bend over and scream, get out of the fort, Barry. I'm not kidding, I have other meetings. But he would never come in the fort. <laughs> what weird. a way what? to run a whatever million pound enterprise. Who are these people? Children. Imagine if we did this before a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I can, fully. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the the, the difficulty with Stanley Jaffe continued. He said, I showed my director's cut to executives at Paramount and there was not a single laugh. I was called into the office 20 minutes later after they discussed everything and everyone was there except Stanley and they were hugging me and clapping. I said, what are you doing? I was in the screening room. There was not a single laugh. They told me that since Stanley wasn't laughing, they couldn't. Oh. <laughs> which is, this is something that carries over into family values, uh, which we'll talk about on Thursday. But yes, uh, horrible, horrible shoot, uh, but hugely popular and successful film. Mm. Any more? Uh, only the interesting story that uh, Fester in the original script was an imposter. Yes. And it was uh, when they read the script, the cast read the script, and they were like, it doesn't work. The cast at the read through, the table read, were like, we don't like this. Fester needs to be the real Fester. And because Christina Ritchie was so good at speaking, they sent her to Scott Rudin and said, tell them we want Fester to be the real Fester. It's Scott Rudin who tells this story, and he says, she explained to us, he says, she explained to us why Fester had to be the real Fester throughout, and we had to figure out how to make it work. She was such a brilliant spokesperson that we really wrote 20 pages of the script yep I'll, I'll get to that when we get to the ending i mean i didn't know this is why i said we need to talk more before the show and on that note i left my uh, notebook with my notes in so i'm just going to go to my fort for one second <laughs> <laughs> do you want to keep talking vicky uh, do you want to do some small talk no, no. <laughs> let's talk about the adams family look i've just found a tear this is silk what am i supposed to do well, if, we, if no. we're looking for a, uh, a Clash Q on Wednesday, how, yeah. do, how do you repair a tear in a second-hand silk blouse? Oh, listen, sorry, just to be clear, it's actually quite... Because it's, it's from the cuff to the sleeve, so it's, it's by a hemline, effectively. So it should be pretty straightforward. Uh, should we talk about the film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, let's start with the family. Uh, the film begins with uh, boiling water being poured on some Christmas carolers. Um, I think killing them, maybe, which is a strong start. Certainly scarring them. Yeah. I imagine it was oil as well in the classic sort of fort. The castle uh, Yeah, sense, the castle yeah. keep when they, they got if they it's boiling, people between the guillotine. Murder holes, that's what they call Murder them. holes, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's boiling oil, there's a, there's a good chance they might be dead. Oh, oh yeah, that's what they're Absolutely. designed for, yeah. yeah. Tough, yeah. tough. Uh, it's a, it's a, and we see a beautiful doll's house and we see Thing racing through the house. I just remember how amazing it was yeah. seeing Thing not for the it, first time in the movie. <laughs> no, it's not bad though. It, is. it gets better it is. in movie two. I think it's, it looks a bit shoddy now. It must just be pure nostalgia for me because I was like, that's absolutely fine. You couldn't do better now. I know that's mad. <laughs> I was like, you could, obviously. <laughs> but I was like, that's great. And I think it... <laughs> I think it looks fine, apart from a bit later on when it's on a pond. 
But um, it, it, this is about the Sonnenfeld thing. He says he, he always sees a camera as more than a recording device. It's a storytelling device. And it's how he used the camera on the first three Coen Brothers film. And there's a lot in common with Raising Arizona, I yeah. think, in terms of the visuals we see here. Uh, and that point of view stuff, the arrow, the racing down the corridor, that's all Barry Sonnenfeld. Um, that's what he's bringing to this. Um, so uh, what do we know? Fester. He's lost in the Bermuda Triangle. They spent 25 years trying to contact him in the great beyond. And for 25 years, nothing. Um, so, Morticia. We meet the different members of the family. Morticia, uh, played by Angelica Houston. Uh, Sonnenfeld's only instruction for his cinematographer was that she had her own personal light. She does. <laughs> brightening her eyes, but plunging her chin and forehead into darkness. I think it's fantastic. Mm. And it's, great. it's more pronounced in family values for whatever reasons. They've obviously decided it works. But it, it, I understand that it, it makes shadows on her face that are useful for the character. But it also just brings out her beauty anyway and just makes it look like a classic... 40s movie star mm. which you then impart all of that glamour into Morticia as well I'm obsessed with the light mm. on her eyes mm. part of her movement as well because of the, the, the tape that they had to wrap her head Face in, in. To, <laughs> yeah. basically because yeah. they wanted her eyes to point slightly upwards so they wrapped tape around the back of her head underneath her wig and she said it was really really painful and if she didn't take a break from it at lunchtime like she'd have a headache for the rest of the day and also if she turned her head left or right mm. it would snap the tape which is why oh she's so still it's why she's so still she's so it, composed and wouldn't you know that when you watch her turn she turns with her body which makes her look like you said even more graceful yeah that's so because one of the reasons I love her so much is that I'm so jealous of her composure because mm. I don't move I move like a mess like but mm. she's just floats along yeah I mean she would never rip her silk she blouse wouldn't, sleeve she wouldn't one, I've only got one silk thing <laughs> do you know what it is you need to turn more like that I know just we, like yeah, that. we all do just, yeah like the, uh, as you say though head's like going from side to side I'm just all like, yeah, like all the yeah. time it's like hooch and turn her in hooch <laughs> 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 so as you say that fabric tabs were glued at her temples which pulled the eyes upwards right. and a second strap was added to balance the appearance of the lower part of her face with the upper and on top of this uh, the bands would snap any time she turned her head mm. so we need to just attach rubber bands to your head <laughs> I'm in. hey why not I'm in for doing that <laughs> yeah look. To, to you <laughs> I often talk to you I don't know why I talk to you two about it it's fucking pointless about do I need to have work done or not but this sounds free it sounds workable it sounds temporary which I'm into so yeah let's give it a whirl alright cool let's get that chin right up <laughs> perfect smooth all this out mm. so we've got lots of business now lots of bits of business it's essentially a series of sketches for quite a while yes um the best one being the the introduction of Wednesday, though. That's okay. the best one. What, what, what do you like about that? Al? What do I like about that? Yeah. I just love the line, don't be a baby, I know what I'm doing, while Pugsley sits in an electric chair. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just I, everything, obviously, everything Wednesday says in this is gold. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 um, it's it's about you know Sonnenfeld talks about I'm, I listened he did a lot of interviews last year for this film because it was the anniversary and in every interview he said I don't see them as dysfunctional they're the most functional family because they love each other and they allow their kids to make mistakes I completely 100%. agree yeah, yeah that's amazing yeah. even even if those mistakes involve killing trying to kill the each other the parents love each other 
deeply are obsessed with each other. So that's, I didn't notice that when I was a child. Like basically when I watched this when I was 10, all I cared about was Wednesday. She just steals the whole thing. And what the grown-ups were doing, I wasn't really paying much attention to. But now watching it as an adult, especially the relationship of the parents, just like, God, that's amazing. Like who wouldn't be jealous of that? Mm. And they love their kids and their kids love them and the kids are obedient and it's fantastic. I literally wrote down one of the happiest marriages in movie land. I just think that it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch, but it's more than that as well, because I think what's fascinating is the fact that they're all doing stuff, but they're enjoying time together. Like, granted, Pugsley's in an electric chair, mm. but they find fun. Yeah. They're not a family, and it's a simple thing. They're not a family that sit around watching TV. They know how to entertain themselves, yeah. and yeah. they know how to have fun with P- each other. Pugsley isn't against being electrocuted. No, he loves it. Yeah. Um, so when you walk in on the boys playing with an electric chair, what, what do you do? <laughs> is it? Do, you, do they have to make their own mistakes? It's very difficult because you want to encourage uh, interest in the STEM subjects. So you're balancing that as a parent whilst also trying to keep an eye on health and safety. Really, it's a very challenging time to be a parent when you walk in on that situation. Tricky. But that does sound quite innocent compared to what I might walk in on in a few years. Oh. oh, I'm just worried about their awkward teenage years and and, and our, is, but they love each I... other because that's why because you, you've got how many seven of them now? <laughs> yeah, they just <laughs> keep going. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they but they reproduce by mitosis. <laughs> they just keep. Why mitosis? Splitting. Sorry, am I not a sexual being? <laughs> to you? Sorry, I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. Sorry, that's gross. Don't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> you are, of course, you are. I mean, Don't. now there's now there's talk about work being done as well. <laughs> It's a different kettle of fish, mm. I guess. Uh. Oh, what? <laughs> Is that what you call it? <laughs> I'm not even that done. Jesus. Yeah, you want to worry if you find a kettle of fish under their bed. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, it's hard to follow that. We got we got Gomez firing golf balls at a judge's house. We got Morticia cutting the heads off roses. <laughs> uh, we meet a lawyer called Tully. Um, Tully is uh, Gomez's lawyer. Is He's, he in the TV show? I can't remember him because they're like, oh, here's Tully. And I was like, oh, that's just a character I didn't remember, but the, he's familiar to I the I don't family. know what happened to this show. <laughs> 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 I mean, was, yeah, well, I mean, both of you, but we went to every end to basically say we're huge fans of the TV show. So why don't you tell us? Is Tully in the show? Does what yes. do you want to tell us? Yes. He is. So, okay. Yeah, my, my favourite character, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Tilly. Uh, he's, he's Gomez's last paying client um, and he's got a plan. He, he, they have a sword fight, apparently using real swords. That's what their choreographer insisted on. I don't know if that's true. I can't believe that. On any given day, though, Dan Hedaya is probably one of the best things in any movie. Sure. And yes. it's so weird that everyone is so good in this. You're just like, eh, it's all right. It's true. So yeah. weird. Yeah. What a face. Uh, but Dan Hedaya's Tully uh, wants Fester's money in his name for tax purposes. So it's kind of what he's here for. And also to open a book that says Gone with the Wind so wind comes out. Because that, <laughs> that's going to come in useful later. <laughs> but it doesn't. Isn't that so weird? At the end, they don't, they don't do a callback to Gone with the Wind. No. They go, the hurricane or something. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I'm like, no, the book from the start. Yeah, that one's fine. That, that one was the joke. Fine. It's a callback. Uh, and then we've got the start of the con. But maybe we'll talk about that after a quick break. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, we will talk about it. It's the con starting. So there's a loan shark called Mrs. Craven, and she introduces Tully to her son, Gordon, who's an enforcer, <laughs> who's played by Christopher Lloyd. And guess what? He looks like Fester. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about, more about that when we talk about the ending that changed. But uh, so they decide to have a seance um, to try and get uh, Gordon as Fester within the family. Can we just talk about how Gordon eats spaghetti being one of the greatest ways I've ever seen any character slash actor in a movie eat spaghetti? It. It's horrific. I can't remember it. He's just shoving it like... Oh, like down Yeah, he's sort of... of... He's really low to the plate like right. an animal, like very feral. Yeah. Great. Uh, and so just before this seance starts, uh, Fester appears at the door. He just looks so funny. Yeah. Doesn't he? he doesn't have to do or say anything. Just that the appearance <laughs> is just hilarious. Yeah. Um, and he's accompanied by his doctor. <laughs> Um, Alex, have you got any? <clears throat> no, I did it at the start and I proved that it's very actually difficult to do, actually. <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to say the doctor's name. Dr. Seemed... Pinderschloss. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Pinderschloss, mm. uh, who explains that he was found in Miami in a tuna net, because, of course. Um, Which is true. He actually was found in I guess, Miami. I guess yes. he was. Right. Yes, I guess he was. But maybe not when they were shooting it or maybe yeah. when they were writing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so there's a picture of young Gomez and Fester at Camp Custer for preteen offenders. And uh, we see a picture of conjoined twins, Flora and Fauna, over whom they fell out. Uh I like that, but you know, it's just it's just a series of jokes. It's hard to explain this film and talk about it. But Pugley appears with a stop sign, and you hear a crash in the background. Yeah, that's a dark joke. It's really dark. Yeah. It actually upset me a little bit yeah. this time. Bravo, Pugley! Yeah, you've just murdered some people. <laughs> um, Come on, it's funny, babies. <laughs> uh, Fester and Gomez head into the vault. The Gre- a book called Greed gets them in there by pulling that out and they head down a slide. <laughs> the same tiny slide a million times. Yes. Like the poor actors, like, go down this tiny slide and we'll just cut it together and it'll look like a big slide, except it won't. But when you were a kid, any kind of slide in a film was sure. exciting, wasn't it? Like we had it recently in Romancing the Stone, the, the mud slide. And just... Oh, a little, no, I'm not being paid for this. I went to a pub at the weekend with a slide in it. What? Like, how? Like, what? Tell it's me massive. Like, Do you want to know? 
Do you mean like a helter skelter? Yep. Like the one with like in the yeah, movie, but covered. A tu- we, I, the kids call it a tube slide. So is it's- it? For, wait, hang on a sec. Rewind. Is it for kids? Well, kids are on it, but there are grown-ups on it too. And it's quite steep. It was too steep for me to go on. I was a little bit nervous about it. The kids went on it a lot, but you see grown-ups coming down. It hammered. Pretty amazing. Where's this? Waterloo. Do Underneath the old... Do you, um... you want to name check it? It sounds like it deserves a name check. Oh, it's a brew dog it... pub, but I don't know if it's got an actual name. Okay. Maybe just brew dog Waterloo. It's quite new and it's vast. It's vast. It's like a town. It's good. Let's go there. Now. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I can wrap this up in 10. All right. Great. Um, because the jokes come thick and fast. Uh, the vault code is 21011, eyes, fingers, toes. I, <laughs> I don't think I got that when I was younger. That's funny. Uh, Gomez. We got a scene where Gomez is driving a train with real people inside. That scared me when I was little. <laughs> yeah. It's terrifying because yeah. it also makes no sense, but no. I found that quite scary when I was no, younger. Because he crashes it. Yeah. Um, uh, very Men in Black kind of thing as well. Yeah. It's got that Men in mm. Black vibe. And in fact... And Beetlejuice. The font. I yeah, swear it's, Be- it's Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, when he opens the locker and there's an entire civilization in the locker. Oh, yeah. Is that Men in Black or Men in Black 2? I think it's 2. Uh, Three Beetlejuice. Is the... The font reminds me of Men in Black in this. Or is that just me? I kept seeing it. You know the font where it comes up at the start and says, yeah. Adam's family. I no, swear that's it's, the same no. font. I couldn't remember. I meant Maybe to Maybe you just got the same person to do it. Yeah, well, no one's mentioned Will Smith yet, so maybe I just watched the wrong movie. <laughs> I'm waiting for, for all my, my notes about aliens to come in useful. Uh, Wednesday isn't sure about Festa. She's the first one to twig. And then Morticia starts smelling a rat. So she takes him on a tour of the statues of their dead relatives. And her warning for him is their family motto. We gladly feast on those who would subdue us. <laughs> Um, and then we get some displacement theory to explain why uh, Gomez isn't sure about Fester. Yeah. So it, it, Dr. Pinderschloss claims that <laughs> Gomez's feeling of guilt for driving Fester away has caused displacement and means that he loves him but resents him, which means he loves him but he hates him. That's why he hates him and that's why he has to be Fester. I think that's her logic. Yeah. Um, and then. I mean, you're not looking for logic, no, are you? No. <laughs> I'm having a tricky time here, to be honest. Uh, so Festa starts bonding with the kids. They're looking at scabs together, blowing shit up. <clears throat> um, and he bonds with Gomez, and he's starting to really feel the Adams family, but he has a job to do. And so. The play um, is a play at Wednesday in Pugsley School. Um, and Fester refuses to go because he's got to get his job done. So uh, at the school, they meet Wednesday's teacher who says, picking heroes, Wednesday brought in a picture of her great aunt who was burned as a witch. Um, And Morticia says, don't worry, we've told Wednesday College first. So funny. (laughs) Uh, Gomez and Morticia can't bear the cute kids songs. And then Fester shows up at the show. He's not doing his work. He's bringing the kids some props. And then we get a scene from Hamlet. Um, and it's it's Wednesday and, and Pugsley performing the scene and they immediately start cutting off limbs and opening veins and slitting wrists and spraying the audience with blood. Oh, it's so good. And the audience looks completely shocked into silence while uh, Gomez and Morticia give them a standing ovation. Don't forget we met uh, Tully's son, little Tully, uh, a moment ago. Did you recognise him? No. So no, the, no, I didn't. But I'm sorry, just trying to remember the child. No, I didn't. When Tully uh, introduces his son, uh, that is an actor called Whit Hertford. And I recognised him because he is the kid from fucking Jurassic Park who Sam Neill terrorises with the raptor claw oh, yeah, yeah. at the start. No way! Yeah. Wow, that's good, good yeah. skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who the fan theory claimed grew up to be Chris Pratt's character. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite a funny fan theory. That's funny. <laughs> 
Um, but Sonnenfeld said of that scene on stage, that's where he feels he came the closest to bringing a Charles Adams cartoon to life. Right. Uh, and so we're on to the party. Um, and there's footage of this. Barry Sonnenfeld, it took seven days to shoot this party. Um, and Barry Sonnenfeld directed all of them in a tuxedo. <laughs> um, and so Cousin It shows up in a sports car playing Too Legit to Quit by MC Hammer <laughs> that's not aged as well no even though I did buy that single as well yeah um, and he danced with Margaret um, that's Tully's wife, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he flirts with her and they sort of fall for each other. So awesome. I remember that subplot throughout all, so all the a, years. It's so it's good. It's a strange subplot uh, because the scene ends with, with, with him driving off and, and, and asking um, him asking her to call him. So uh, Wednesday walks in on um, Gordon's mum shaving his head to become Festa. So she knows now and she runs off. She's Don't gone. you love that she's wearing a party frock and she looks just like her mum? Like, that's really sweet. Mm. Like, she's got a Morticia-style dress on. It's just so lovely. Mm. It's cute. <laughs> um, Flora and Fauna show up, the conjoined twins, um, who are twice the woman that Morticia is. And then we get the Mamushka um, Cossack dance. It's good. Um, which doesn't really make sense if Gordon wasn't Festa, because how would he know every dance move? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that must have been rewrites. Um, so, yeah, right. they, they're knives. Yeah. There's knives, they're catching, catching, Fester catches one in her mouth. Mm. Um, there's a very, there's a longer version of this that's out now that they, they recut. It's Apparently this, this, this dancing got cut down for the theatrical release and Barry Sonnenfeld's just overseen a new version. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, win- the twins take off in a straitjacket. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's brilliant. <laughs> and then we got a bit of plot, unfortunately, or maybe it's useful. So Tully um, has a restraining order against the Adams family, keeping them away from Fester's house because Fester owns the house now. Um, uh, they point out that he isn't even Uncle Fester. Um, and then Gomez says, they say a man who represents himself as a fool. What has got is my witness. I am that fool. <laughs> <laughs> and then promptly loses the case because the judge is the man whose house he's been hitting golf balls at. So they're kicked out of their house and they're staying in a motel, which is where we get normality. We get the fish out of water mm. um, sort of subplot. So um, I thought this bit went on so much longer. Mm. It's really quick. Yeah, it could go on longer. Yeah, it's great. I would, I would hazard, I guess, a, a, a suggestion. But um, a Girl Scout asked them to take their cookies in exchange for their dodgy lemon drinks. Are they made from real Girl Scouts? Wednesday <laughs> asked. Uh, Morticia telling a story to uh, toddlers in school of Hansel and Gretel uh, about the poor defenceless witch. <laughs> and Sonnenfeld says this is the only thing he regretted um, from the movie. Making those kids cry. Yeah. Interesting. I couldn't. I know you're going to roll your eyes. It, I can't. What? Watch that. It's so upsetting. Oh, I mean, this is... I mean, well, I'm going to go early on my change if we if we get here, but unless you know how they did it, because I'm fascinated. I've read something. Oh, I have know, you? What? I know. I heard him say it. Great, tell I me. I heard him say it. So what did they do? Because, I mean, unless... In theory, the only way to really do that properly Oh, I'm is interested to, to, to hear what you're going to say. Great. Okay, yeah, good. Go on. The way you lent in, put your chin on your hand, and yeah, went, hmm. I'm really interested, is like... <laughs> Come on then. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't what me. are you going to do, and how deep can I put the hole beneath you? <laughs> so, the only way that I think you could do it is if you just put them there, make sure they were fed and watered enough, so you weren't making them hungry or tired. If they wanted to sleep, they could sleep, and naturally just film them as long as it took for kids who just eventually, because 
they're bored, start crying anyway, and yeah. then you've got your shot for the movie. Yeah. Any and obviously, I know they didn't do that. How long do you think a child is going to sit still there until it starts crying? It'll, 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 it'll move. It'll move quite quickly. It might get up and yes. say, "I'm bored as fuck." I don't see how. You, I don't see you can. Don't. You can have twenty kids sitting still for an hour until they all start crying. Okay, I've got a theory. An adult starts crying nearby, and then the kids start crying because they're seeing someone cry. <laughs> this is I'm so not weird. a parent. <laughs> B. What, how, what? Kids just left on their own sometimes just cry because that's what kids do, right? I would just say, but it's clear, I mean, this is just the nuance that I wouldn't, you, you might see this. I'm not sorry, I was going to assume you wouldn't, and that's unfair. It's a really upset cry. It's not a bored cry. And mm. You can tell the difference. They look genuinely upset. Well, do you want to say what, what he did? I read mm. that he was like, once the shot was, was done, he was really sweet to the kids, and he was like, well done, Chief. Children, you did amazing. Hooray for you. But listen, just one more thing we've got to do. You're all going to get a measles vaccination. You've got to have a jab. And so they, that scared them and they know, they kind of knew what that was. And so that's because the, the, the cry that they do is like a dawning realisation cry. Yeah, it's, of, it's bad. It's so sad. Is that what you read? Yeah, yeah. That just makes... Yeah, because he thought he had the shot. The shot was them all staring at her yeah. in sort of disbelief when she's telling the story. And then he was leaving for the day and the producer said, you haven't got it. You've oh, got to make no. them cry. Oh, my God. That is, that is someone <laughs> passing the buck. Yeah. He knows as a director, the button yeah. on that scene is kids crying. It's not kids mm. looking bored. And so he said, he said measles injections was what did it, apparently. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you've got real tears. Uh, oh, Finn gets wow. a job at Federal Express. Good visual gag. Gomez is just watching daytime TV in a white T-shirt, eating crisps, <laughs> calling into Sally, Jesse, Raphael, asking where the witches hang out. <laughs> uh, Morticia will not stand for this. And so he has heads to the house and demands to speak to Fester, uh, where she gets chained to a rack. Uh, Thing races home and we sort of get a mini action scene as he races through traffic. Um, Gomez somersaults through the window and starts sword fighting Tully again. And then they head to the vault. Fester grabs a book. Hurricane Irene. Is that a book? I've no idea. Should have no. done Gone with the Wind. Yep. Yeah, that would have worked. Yeah. Nice callback. Uh, and they use that as a weapon as Gomez frees Morticia, and so the villains are all sent flying away using early computer-generated effects <laughs> <laughs> and straight into graves. Yeah. Are they dead? Does it matter? <laughs> Great. Uh, so we've won. And so seven months later, it's Halloween. Um, Pugly looks like Fester now. So nice. Uh, Margaret's with Cousin It. Um, Wednesday uh, for Halloween is dressed as herself because a homicidal maniac looks like everyone else. Um, and it seems he really is Fester. He just had amnesia. Um, I, I like the honesty and the nod uh, slash wink of them saying stranger things have happened. Like, <laughs> we don't need to explain this. Uh, they decide to go out in the garden and play Wait the Dead by digging up graves. And then we learn that Morticia is pregnant uh, by her uh, knitting a baby grow with extra legs. Uh, it ends with them passionately kissing. And then very unfortunately, we get the MC Hammer rap rather than the original theme tune. Oh, no. That original theme isn't used enough in this. No, it's not. It's used very effectively at the start. Well, they, yeah. It's used more here than it is on Thursday, though, mm. which is, I think, a real issue. But, yeah, you'd, all you need is the first few bars and then you can go into the rap. Yeah. You, you'll still get his publicity, Hammer. Mm. So, yeah, that's the end of it. But it's dedicated to Lady Coylton, the film. And so I did some research on her. This was a woman called Barbara Barb, who was born in Brooklyn in 1920. Um, and she became Barbara Adams for the two years she was married to the cartoonist, Charles Adams. And then shortly after they were divorced, she became Lady Colton by marrying an English baron um, named Henry Lennox uh, de, de Beaugine. Um So... She, 
she was married to him for two years and yet she had the rights to the Adams. Wow. A, a, a quite a big chunk of them. She talked him into it in those two years. Right. And so his next wife believes that the, or, or certain members of the family believe that the character that Joan Cusack plays in Adams Family Values is loosely based <laughs> on Lady <laughs> Coylton. <laughs> yes, yeah, 75% of the rights to his work um, was signed over to her and no one quite knows how she did it. And you know what? She looks a little bit like uh, Morticia. The way she carried herself and dressed and looks. So, um. that's a lot of rights. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love a rights chat. Well, I've already said it. You've ticked a box for me there. 75% in two years. Yes. That's some amazing work. I mean, <laughs> wow. She's got a very interesting story and many different names. Um, so you've said, you've said the ending thing. Um, that's good. Um, <laughs> was that to yourself? What was that? It was Chris, it. you've said the end, didn't you? No, no, and no, it's next... for me, because I did the bit about oh, Fester sorry, not being so an sorry. imposter versus being an imposter. Sorry. Uh, and the only other thing I've got here is David Levy, who executive... Give a bit of credit. <laughs> he executive produced the 60s television take on the Adams Family, argued that he held many of the trademark Adams Family uh, features that were used in the film. Until he went for dinner with Lady Colton. <laughs> yeah, and she, yeah, yeah, she took 98% of those. <laughs> And so I believe Just he once one dinner. <laughs> I, I believe he it's brought. Practicing. <laughs> I believe he brought this up just before the film came out. Right. And so Paramount did not want to go to court and did want to make a sequel uh, down the line. And so they settled with him, uh, no doubt because it opened bigger than anyone was expecting, and mm. and, and then the, the sequel got fast tracked. But more on that on Thursday. So let's do. The bits. Uh, Vicky, favourite scene? So, just two things. This is just a special mention for... Uh, you know, sometimes, Alex, you talk about when things are cut really well and it just makes you feel quite emotional. The cut when Gomez and Morticia walk into the, the big room where they're going to have the party and he mm. says, how long is it since we last waltzed? And she says, hours. I fucking love that. <laughs> and then they twirl around, cut to the party in full swing. That cut is amazing. <laughs> I love that yeah. so much. So just a little shout out to that. So this scene, I don't know if it's the best scene, but it is my favourite and it's Wednesday and Pugsley's, uh, Pugsley's school show because that arterial spray is still quite shocking for two kids. But it's when you see this, what, you know, Barry Sonnenfeld talked about, the, the family are really together. So they don't get covered in blood. They're really proud of their kids, even though they don't like this school environment because obviously they're a bit sort of fish out of water there. They're there to support their children and their kids absolutely kill it in this show and they're just a really supportive family that are completely united I think it's lovely Alex I'm guessing you're going to go for the same the blood orgy that is the yeah. school play just yeah. but for me it, I, I agree with what Vicky said but it's just that shot of the front row where their faces are <laughs> literally like blood red and they've just like in the horror on their faces yeah and and um Obviously, I'm picking that as well. Oh, but, good. Yeah, wow. just kind of only one winner this week. But um, there, were, there were lots of issues with cinematographers on this film. And so, interestingly, uh, the DP was sick the week they filmed this. And so the great Bill Pope shot this of the Matrix fame. Oh, wow. Edgar Wright movie fame. Yeah, that's who shot the, uh, the Hamlet scene. Amazing. <laughs> Most valuable whatever, Alex. I mean, this is a tough one this week. Um, Barry Sonnenfeld for weathering the storm that was making this film and his directorial debut, which is mad that it's so good, this film. Uh, Raul Julia, I just, I've always loved as Gomez. And this was the first movie I discovered uh, him. And, and sadly, obviously, he passed so soon uh, after the sequel. So I never really got to see him in a lot more stuff. Um, Christopher Lloyd as Fester. Oh, he's just brilliant. But the funniest moments of the film belong to 
Christina Ritchie as Wednesday Adams. Um, it's just the delivery of every line. The lines that I could afford at most in this movie all belong to her. I was amused throughout by actually vocalised <laughs> when it was her doing her thing. <laughs> so it's Christina Ritchie for me. Vicky, you picking the same? No, I'm not. When oh. I was so I feel the same as you do, but it's for Morticia. So mm. I think she as a girl when I was little it was Wednesday all the way. Like I would have I would have watched these standalone Dimbert. It's a roundabout way of saying I haven't matured. No, 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 no. So I'm not having a go at you. It's just I didn't notice Morticia properly when I was little. Mm. And I think she gets the best lines. A few of them when she's talking about the cyanide as if we'd run out. That's awesome. <laughs> when she's on the torture wheel, you've done this before. She's just so good. And the commitment to it. You want to be her and have her life. A husband that is obsessed with you, this large and comfortable home, the composure, which I now know is a result of her not being able to turn her head. But she's satisfied. She's got class. I just, I'm obsessed with her. She's mm. brilliant. Nostalgia might have a part in this because and I checked. I was of the right age to be infatuated with Wednesday Adams when I first saw this. Uh, for my MVW, I think it's totally unfair to pick Angelica Houston and not Ralph Julia. I think they come as a pair, so I'm going to give him a vote. I think it's a wonderful performance that, as um, Barry Sonnenfeld said, is so full of emotion and life that mm. he brings the film to life. What would you change, Vicky, if you changed anything? Here we go. Strap in for your structure lecture. Is it not the kids thing? No. OK, I'll just do mine quickly so go. we can listen to yours in full sure. properly. Uh, mine would have been the kids crying because it takes me out of the movie because I'm like, how did they do that? And so I'm not enjoying the scene for the gag. Okay. Go. So the, they do it more in the sequel, obviously, but the whole... Family get turfed out and have to make it on the outside, which they do when they lose their home. That has Act 2 vibes written mm. all over it. As an Act 3, it doesn't work because it doesn't advance the plot. The plot in Act 3 is they try to live on the outside, they can't. Morticia just goes back to the house. That doesn't advance the plot in any way. As an Act 2, it works. They try to live, they can't. They hatch a plan to get the house back. So you either lose it altogether because it's not fully explored, you do it all in the sequel, or you bump it earlier and change the rest of the structure. Yeah, I mean, I've got fish out of water, have them interacting with the world more in the middle of the movie. It's just a no-brainer. That's what needs to happen here because that's where the humour comes from. You spend too long in the house with them, the jokes get repetitive, the humour is having them interact with us, mm. with normies. Um, uh, yeah, just, uh, just, to, just to provide an, uh, an alternate argument to why that doesn't work is because you are transported into the Adams' world in these movies. Like, most of it does take place in the house, and the house is a safe place. And even in the sequel, Camp Chippewa, it's still... Yeah, they get out. They spend more of the movie outside. Yeah, I see what you mean. I just think... Yeah, I just find the idea of them walking around regular world, it's like you want to do that as minimal as possible because it suddenly becomes a very different movie where you're sort of seeing like this close-knit group of people in a close-knit environment, like suddenly just in regular regular world, you don't feel as transported to a magical place, which mm. the Adams Mansion is. And we need a plot as well. That'd be good. <laughs> maybe. Um, I thought maybe one way direction you go in is that once all the weird members of the family appear in the big party reunion, maybe have someone die and turn it into an Adams family who'd done it. That will keep you in the house. But you've got all these interesting monsters characters that you could have fun with that you don't. It's just, I think the film is lacking in storyline. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Beetlejuice, for example. Like Beetlejuice, they don't really leave the house ever and you feel like trapped in this world, which is mm. great. You don't want to see them in the real world. But okay. Good. We done? Yes. <laughs> Lovely. All right, then. Uh, are we doing a quiz this week? Yeah. All right, fine. We'll do a quiz. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Vicky's on, <laughs> on a roll, if you can call one week a roll. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, this one isn't about strip clubs 
I'm sorry. That okay. was me. Oh, yeah. Was it, was yeah, I won the strip club one. Oh, I think yeah. he won. What did you win? What was it? Like? I won. How Pre- many kills? Sorry. Oh, yeah. How many kills? How many kills oh, all right. from got... films that you love and have seen about a million times? Uh, oh, look. yeah. And I got the strip clubs that you love <laughs> and enjoy visiting. <laughs> so the Adams family are a famous family. <clears throat> These are six more famous family. I'm going to describe the family and then you've got to tell me the family's last name. Are they from films or are they real? To narrow it down, the first five are real life families and the last is a fictional family. Okay. Uh, now, from do you, any walk of life, these are just famous flat families. See, this is, we're taking so seriously. We can't Good. relax and enjoy it. Like, look Good. at us. Terms of reference, Chris. We need to know. <laughs> okay, they're sorry. From all different walks of life. See, when I take when I ask the question, you'll know what bit of the world they're from. You look right? so gleeful. <laughs> you look at you. I'm trying to figure out how do you want to do it. Do you want to shout out the answer first, or do you want to go when you know the answer? Go. Oh, I'm not sure I can do that. I've got quite sweaty hands at the moment. Yeah, let's do the second one. <laughs> if you don't want to do it, let's know. I think I'm just going to shout. Okay, just yeah. shouting. Okay. Just shouting. <laughs> okay. So all I need is the last name. Right. Okay. These twins wanted to know when they'd be famous. Bross. Bross. <gasps> what? Oh, um, Luca Matt Goss. Goss. Yes. Sorry. The last name. You both said yeah, Bros. Sorry. <laughs> That's the name of the band. <laughs> okay. You're looking at me like I'm mad. I'm looking at you like you're mad. Yeah, apologies. Vicky got it. Yeah. Luke and Matt Goss. Or Luke, Matt and Goss, as my brother thought they were called, the three of them. <laughs> what was the other one called? Matthew? Uh, Craig. Oh. oh, yeah. Was he a Goss? No. Right. No. Oh, no. They got rid of him. Quick smart. Did they? He looked nothing like them. No, I know, but they were twins. I thought he was just their they were brother. A- they were Aryan twins, and then you had this bloke at the back <laughs> yeah. smacking a drum. Yeah, they shot him out of focus in all the photos. <laughs> you just normally see his eye in the poster. <laughs> right, I'm going to give you the names of the children in this family. Okay. Elizabeth, James... Olsen. Lachlan. Biden. Oh, Murdoch. <laughs> Correct! Yes! My next clue was they all want to succeed yeah. their father. Don't need it. <laughs> Didn't need it. Oh dear. <laughs> okay. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, members of this acting uh, dynasty appeared in Clash of the Titles favorites, Scream and True Romance. Arquette. Correct. Oh my God! Oh, I'm going to do it. She's like, oh, no. do it. oh no! Oh no! Only halfway. No way! No way! No way! Only halfway. Everybody. Oh my God! My heart. Calm down. Just calm down. <laughs> Um, gangsters got a member of this family elected president then gangsters had him killed allegedly Kennedy Kennedy fuck off yes <laughs> <laughs> shit alright I take, I take back my hubris uh, these brothers played in defence for Manchester United and England Southgate oh Neville Oh, Correct. For fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, please don't say. Uh, and do you know what their dad's called? Neville. Yeah. Do I get a point for that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's dead now. Um, right. Fictional family. You know, the Kennedy's last question. dead as well. Yeah. <laughs> I said they had him killed. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It just felt like there were points not being handed out because he was dead. <laughs> right. This is the fictional family. Okay. I'm going to give you the Christian names of this fictional family. You would have given me the surname. Marilyn, Eddie, Monroe, Lily, the monsters. Waltons. It's the monsters. Yes! <laughs> Holy shit! Brought it back wait, to a tie wait, break. Wait, wait. <laughs> he hasn't won, has he? <laughs> no. It's a, it's a, it goes to a tie break. Oh, and then we finish. We finish now. 
<laughs> you celebrated too early. I do. Maybe not. Maybe not. You might get this one. Oh no, there's a pressure now. What? Wait, is it fictional or real? Who played? The, yeah, this isn't. This isn't a family question now. Okay. Who played Gomez Adams in the 1998 TV movie? Tim Curry. No Vicky, way. Vicky. 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 Are you kidding? Vicky. Yeah, <laughs> Vicky got it. Sweet, 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 yeah, yeah, you got it. You did. You got it. Just first. I well played. I didn't have to draw. Personally. Well played. Well I mean, played, I Vicky. Wanna, I want to follow. Well played, Vicky. Yes. Oh, it's so dignified for me. Every week, I'm either furious and oh. red or happy and red. Oh. There's just no in between. Fair enough. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Uh, and that's fine. the obligatory Tim Curry mention. Yeah. Uh, you know what? You know I'm not going to argue it. I'm not going to argue it because of the whole de- debacle about the Sheffield, Sheffield. shopping centre. <laughs> so that, I think now anyone who's still clinging on to the justice for Vicky hashtag Do that was that? doing the rounds, <laughs> uh, we are now back to parity. I'm not going to argue it. Fine. Um, yeah, I was. I was in the room. You were first that time. She was first this time. Lovely stuff. Good. <clears throat> Right then, next week. Let's look ahead to next week's clash. It's my choices next week. And the clue I have got for you today for next week's clash is this. The cost of love is playing the game. The cost of love is playing the game. Right, that's it for this episode. Uh, So... We'll be back on Thursday, of course, when we're doing Adam's Family Values. In the meantime, if you haven't done already, please check out our YouTube channel, Clash of the Titles on YouTube. Subscribe. Have lots of fun there. And subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Tell your friends about us. And we'll speak to you Thursday. Have a happy, happy Halloween. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 